Welcome back, everybody. This is the Northern Miner Podcast, and I'm your host, Matthew Keeble. And this is our episode for the week of, I believe it's around December 4th. I always get that wrong. Uh, but we are, once again, very fortunate. Uh, we are joined, not in studio, we are once again at a fine alehouse uh, by Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist. Thanks again for joining us, Mickey. Hey, always my pleasure, Matt. Um, and we always yeah. seem to be uh, after work in the bar. Hey, so. it's the best time to, to record anything, be it Absolutely. video, podcasts, or at the bar episodes that we do sometimes. Um, and I was incorrect. Leslie is actually out of town uh, this week, so she'll be back in studio with us next week. Uh, so, we, But we're lucky because we have Mickey to fill in sort of the gaps, and he's going to do his own geology corner this week. So we've got... Uh, don't fear not the geology corner will continue we uh we have a fill-in geologist um but uh yeah so mickey having you here one of the first things we wanted to tackle um we've talked a little bit about the macro about how gold's been down recently um about how zinc's been up about how met coal surged uh we talked a little bit about commodity prices and one of the thing on everybody's lips obviously is the trump election um and how that sort of had an unexpected impact on commodities and being a u.s citizen uh, i thought it would be kind of interesting for you to kick off maybe with some news or views from south of the border on on what's sort of going on so markets don't like change yeah uh markets like volatility and change generates volatility so uh what happened immediately was wall street was wringing its hands about a trump victory and what that was going to do and commodities experts were wringing their their hands and maybe their necks but it's it's been very good and and think about it i think there's some really strong reasons why he ran on infrastructure build out and making america great again and bringing jobs into to america and man oh man you know he's a wall street guy (laughs) yeah he's anti-regulation he's anti-bureaucracy he's gonna if he gets what he says he's gonna do done he's gonna reduce a really uh, ridiculous corporate tax rate which is 39 percent in the u.s yeah he's gonna make overseas corporations with u.s headquarters repatriate repatriate profits into the U.S. So that's all good. And this infrastructure build-out has been very good for industrial metals and commodities. Oh, yeah. And why do you think maybe Wall Street so poorly read the reaction, gold reaction, to a potential Trump election? It was just, they thought it was just going to go, you could even see the futures buying the night of the election while the votes were coming in and they were buying up, up, up. Yeah, it was crazy. As the votes started coming in, it became obvious that Trump was going to win markets overseas. And this Mm -hmm. happened overnight. So it happened in Asian markets and then the London market. Mm -hmm. They went nuts. They drove the S&P and 500 futures down, uh, and I don't remember those numbers, yeah. but I do remember the Dow was down 800 points yeah, overseas, before yeah. New York opened, yeah. <laughs> and it finished the day plus 100 points. So that's a thousand point change Swing. in something that's, yeah. uh, let me do the math, uh, uh, percent, 5%, yeah. 5% yeah, change. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. And, and that's wild. So uh, they got it wrong, and you know the status quo was shaken up and it took them about a half a day to get used to it and they would go look at this guy talk about you could not elect somebody better for wall street i think well that's what yeah i think people came to that realization right was that there was sort of this this concept that he was sort of a doomsday device almost and then after it happened i mean people came to realize i think a lot of people have been saying it before the election that there's no way he can be as 
doomsday or crazy as no, some people were making right, him out to be. Right. And I think a lot of people found out after the fact he's maybe a bit more of a moderate candidate than they even would have thought. Right? Yeah, we don't really know what no, he is. No, he's, we have no we, idea. We know he's a populist. We don't know yeah. exactly what he's going to do, but we know he's going to be pro-business. And, and it's time to get America to work again. So... Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I didn't vote for the guy, but I didn't vote for Billery either. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm spouting Billery for the big house, uh, <laughs> my way of saying Hillary for prison. Yeah. I, I voted my conscience, and that was Gary Johnson, libertarian candidate. Yeah. Uh, but that's only because he had uh, Trump had no chance to win in New Mexico. If it had been close, I would have voted for Trump. Fair enough, Because, yeah. you know, that, uh, it, it was obvious that was going to be good for the mining business. The mining business, yeah, yeah. And I mean, have you heard, sort of down there working in the U.S. side um, of sort of extractives or, or mining, um, is there sort of people looking now like at maybe states that they thought were anti-mining friendly? Like, would there be a push on BLM kind of stuff where people think permitting might be? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I think there's going to, you know, he's going to appoint 4,500 bureaucrats into high-level positions. Mm -hmm. So uh, the people that are not silver servants, the guys that work their careers, but the upper-level appointees, that's all going to change. Yeah. So uh, we look for regulations to ro be rolled back. We look for things such as the time lines for completions of, of permitting approvals to be expedited, because uh, yeah. America's going to be great oh, again. Yeah. We're going to make America we great got again. got one of those we're big gonna, red hats. We're going to build highways and yeah. bridges and repair crumbling infrastructure. And well, the infrastructure is very necessary. We have that in Canada, too, oh, I think. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Need, we need infrastructure spending, not just for the, uh, the quantitative easing, theoretically, but also just to fix it, right? Well, you, you brought up a good point. Mm. I'm going to... To go off topic a little bit yeah. here, but uh, and that's quantitative easing, easing, and that's what most world governments did post global economic crisis. What did China do? They didn't yeah. do that. I mean, they print, printed a bunch of yuan, but they did not buy their own bonds. No. And, and, they built infrastructure. Yeah. They stimulated their economy by building infrastructure. So look at what we're doing, what would be eight years later, seven years later. We're going to do what the Chinese did. Yeah. That's going to create demand for metals. For metals, you know, yeah. We're not yeah. as big in China with our demand, but uh, we're as big as the entire continent of Europe. And, exactly, yeah. And, yeah, you so, got the population there for yeah. sure. And I mean, that's interesting because we were sort of at the onset talking about copper a little bit. And maybe there's a bunch of unexpected things that happened, I guess, in the last, let's say, three to four months. One was the gold <laughs> plummeted after the Trump election. The second was that copper is now at about 260 a pound. I don't think anybody saw that sort of movement, that volatility on the upside for copper in the n short term. I didn't. Yeah, it, it happened very quickly. Very quickly. Um, uh, in a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's up 20% yeah. in a month of November. Yeah, exactly. And, and the third thing was, obviously, we won't touch on this as much, but Met Cole has also been up in the hundreds of percents uh, over the past six months. And it's very interesting. I mean, we talked about how Trump might have an impact because he's talking about infrastructure. Um, I've talked to some bank analysts, and they said hey, this was started before he was even elected. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and the U.S. could have maybe a 6% bump on, on global demand if he does what he says he's going to do based on the bank uh, models. Mm -hmm. But uh, interestingly, so, I mean, some people are saying it's Chinese 
futures traders or contracts, and some people are saying it's manipulation. What do you? What's your oh, read I think on it's copper? All of the above. Yeah. You know, copper lag behind all the other industrial metals. You know, zinc's up 75 percent this year, 70 with a recent eight cent pullback. Uh, uh, iron ore's up 60%. Yeah. Uh, so what happened, I think, when we saw this happening in the beginning of the year, hedge funds who are generally contrarians, and they said, okay, what's our next beatdown sector? Now yeah. it's the time to run this sector. <laughs> you have to run it up. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they've done that. So it's a combination of uh, better economic numbers coming out of China. Yep. It's... Uh, speculators moving into these markets it's the trump infrastructure build out mm -hmm. and it's the fact that these metals were in a five-year bear market and that's the end of a normal cycle five four to seven years is a commodities sub cycle within a secular bull bull, bull, market, bull market trend if yep. you will yep. of 20 to 30 years so it was just time and and the speculators move in uh, and look at copper. Copper lagged everything else yeah. all year long and yeah. it's finally catching up. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, a couple of months ago I'm saying watch copper by the end of the year. It's yeah. lagging and, and it's in supply deficit and, you know, it's a very tight market. Copper oh, very much so. Is yeah. always supply demand balance is, is key to it. I was and, looking at that recently, actually, the numbers on that, and it's funny how the narrative changed in about six months where they're like, we're going to be in oversupply through 2020. And now a lot of the banks are modeling 2018, well, early so 2019. Well, so what the banks do every year, yeah. most of them. They, they bake in a 4% supply disruption yeah. into their numbers. I read this too, yeah. 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 So, yeah. you know, Barclays is, yeah. is just notorious for, for getting it wrong. Yeah. Uh, and the other people who get it wrong all the time is Cadelco. Yeah. You see what Cadelco's saying, and then you do just the opposite. Yeah. It's kind of like Gartman. <laughs> we go, whatever <laughs> exactly. Gartman yeah. says on CNBC, do, do just the do, opposite. Do the other, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. probably going to make money. <laughs> I'm being a little harsh on Dennis Gartman. I know Dennis. But, you know, it's... it's uh, it was time. You mm -hmm. saw it coming, and contrarian's position before it comes. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me that copper's made this 20% rise. It surprises me very much how rapidly it, it happened. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I think needs to happen right now. It needs to consolidate at this level. i Take a small yeah. step back and, and not... Yeah, I don't like exponential curves. No, you know? nobody likes I exponential like, curves. Well, some yeah. people do. Oh, yeah, know? I guess some people chase them. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But, uh, but you want to see step, you want to see two steps forward, one step yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sustainable growth, basically. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and interestingly enough, I've actually been talking to uh, some of the copper producers uh, around Vancouver and in Canada, and, and, and they're as shocked as anybody else. They were like, well, we were modeling... Like you saw, like Capstone do those hedges and copper at like well below spot now, and it's like some of the producers have uh, were just as caught as by surprise as everybody else by that sort of increase. And it, it, it's just funny how um, you know a lot of people throw it at, at the feet of China really heavily, which probably is to a large part true. Um, but it's quite funny to see. And the other interesting thing I read um, was that uh, a lot of the banks' price decks now 
are around 260 to 270 for the next like three years. Like they're like flat. Like everything's just flat, oh, which is yeah, what you I mean, said, which would be great, right? That's kind of what you well, want. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably not looking that far off. You know? yeah, I, yeah. I would. I would be very happy with a three dollar copper price if we're sitting here next year, perhaps. Oh. And I think it's got room to move. Uh, there's been a lot of 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 copper taken off the market, yep. and it's easier to pull it off than it is to restart it. You know, yeah. Matt. There's 85 million more people on the planet every year. Yeah. Uh, you look at the copper demand curve or use curve from 1900, it grows shy of depressions, recessions, and wars, consistently grows at somewhere between 3 and 4% annual growth demand yeah. per year. Last year was an anomaly at 2.5%. And we just kind of got ahead of ourselves in the copper industry. But, you well, know, 85 million more people and 25% of that, one in four people on the face of this planet can't do what we're doing right now, sit under exactly. electric lights uh, in the 4.30 p.m. dark of Vancouver. Well, and the interesting, uh, it sort of juxtaposed against your point on, on the population growth and demand is, is on the supply side, interestingly, uh, another thing I was reading, I think it was a report from CIBC or Scotia, uh, was that this year supply growth was actually around 4% for copper, uh, mm -hmm. aggregately globally. And that's because uh, there was a number of large projects doing expansions this year, and that, uh, including things like Sentinel and, and, and a bunch of different projects. Antamina. Antamina, exactly. Um, and, and that's now, those have all reached full run. So they, the... the uh, Figure Las Bombas. Las Bombas, a lot of South American uh, constants. Uh, it's yeah. really a Peru story. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. And and what they were saying is that yeah. this is now hit full bore for all these projects, and there's not a lot behind those. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're projecting, let's say, a 1% growth on the supply side for 2017, which is basically nothing, right? So I, I could see why, from that point of view, you know, banks and their models and the spreadsheets, that all of a sudden they're seeing these curves now and they're like oh wait we might not be in deficit or oversupply through 2020 we might it might slide a bit and we might be at 2018 so interesting enough the other point that that uh we should probably make is that all the calculations i've seen is there's there's a price at which companies will be incentivized to build new projects and that's well over three dollars right yeah i would think so yeah. i don't real i haven't seen those yeah <clears throat> Uh, lately, but yeah, you know, when you really look at it, the only cost of producing copper, and I'm just going to throw out a number. Uh, for the longest time, it was $2.50 a pound, or yeah. let's say in the bull market years, but bear in mind, we had a 90 to $100 oil then, too, yes, and, yes. and so yeah. uh, energy and labor are your most important inputs into to mining costs. Yeah. And so you had this energy uh, pullback, so you're getting oil at $50 a barrel versus 100. So let's say that the all-in cost of producing a pound of copper worldwide is maybe 225 right now, and I'm just That's guessing. probably generous, yeah. Uh, and yeah. it probably is generous, yeah. but that that's average price, so so that means a lot of production loses <laughs> yeah. money, yeah. and that and that's pulled off the market, and that's not disruption, that's destruction. Yeah, exactly. And supply destruction requires a lot more 
time, energy, and financing capability to get it going. Yeah, again. it's heavy capex, heavy yeah. capex. Yeah. And, and, and the interesting thing is, um, we talked a little bit about it, but I mean, zinc is the other metal that we, we, we sort of earmarked because it's been sort of on an impressive run, but it's also because zinc's been such a non sequitur for what, almost a decade? And, and we've seen year after year these brokerage houses and who will remain unnamed or banks who have called for a zinc run in January, seemingly every year for the past 10 years. Um, and finally, they got their, they, they broke that dollar and we briefly hit the 130 a pound mark yeah. two, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think we were down around, what, a buck 20 you said? I think a buck 22 at close yeah, today. Today, and I mean, but that's still impressive. Um, buck 30, I went back when it hit a buck 30 on whenever it did. I mm -hmm. had an interview to do that day. Yeah. And I go, how long has it been? <laughs> and I went back December of 2007. Yeah. So one thing we do do at mercenarygeologist.com, mm -hmm. we have a very uh, long-lived database of commodity prices. So, yeah, so it doesn't yeah. take me very long to go Pull to the spreadsheet yeah. and go, oh, then it, that's when it was, December of 07. So. I, I remember because my dad may have been involved in a zinc, <laughs> zinc deal at that oh, time that went very well. So I, I always remember that. It was around 2006, 2007. So I think about three to four four months ago, maybe five months ago, I can't remember, you said, what What about zinc? Yeah. <laughs> and I go, never been a zinc guy, I never don't see been, myself, yeah. all right. I, did, I said, I didn't, didn't, yeah. don't see myself becoming a zinc guy. Well, what I do? Got new zinc I went to a startup zinc play, uh, just floated on the uh, Toronto Venture Exchange uh, in a first round of financing, which is is going to be closed very soon. Yeah, so I'm in a zinc deal in South Central Ireland. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a a big project in terms of number of hectares of, of land. A huge project. Mm -hmm. It's ex-Lunding mining project, oh, okay. of which they drilled extensively. Oh, wow. There is uh, what we would call historic resource that will be upgraded to a 43101 resource very soon. The company's called Mitchell Resources. Okay. It's some people I've been involved with in the past. It will have a name change to Hannon Metals. Hannon uh, Metals. Yep. Very Irish. And yep. 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 And uh, it's got lots of potential. Uh, there's a bunch of zinc showings all over the place, but the real target horizon is a couple of hundred meters deep. And it's interesting me, I'm learning all this stuff yep. about zinc, Irish zinc deposits, and some of the best <laughs> zinc deposits in the world, as you, as you are aware, yeah. are in Ireland, and you can't find them. Except with seismic, yeah, yeah, and you almost have to use 3D seismic to find them. This is the interesting they, thing you told me was that they actually sample the old rock fence or the the actual fences, right? Like the. I that was how some gold deposits yeah, have been. that's interesting. Been, and drill targets in gold deposits yeah, yeah, have been done. Because I don't know if they've done that on the zinc place. Because yeah. there's old zinc mines there that that mined in a upper horizon. Okay. That is, is, essentially flat-lying rocks. Mm -hmm. So those upper rocks are not the preferred host for what essentially, throw a little geology out here, yeah. Mississippi Valley type uh, zinc, lead zinc deposits. Uh, and 
and and even in Missouri and Tennessee, those things are nearly impossible to Well, that's what you said. Everything's just under grass, basically, there, right? Like, it's just green. Just no, green. I've never been to yeah, Ireland, yeah, yeah, but, but, it's but, but I will be I've, there soon, I've I I've walked hope. by those, uh, sort of, because what, what you were saying is they... They dig, obviously dig up rocks to build the sort of barriers or fences yeah. or whatever you'd call walls, them. Walls, I guess. Or, but yeah, bull, almost like castle walls. And and miners have gone and sampled those, which I found yeah. that's super interesting, yeah. actually. Yeah. That, that yeah. It'd be like, oh, these old rocks that they dug up out of a, basically a trench. They trenched it for you and put it in a wall, which is super interesting. Yeah, and probably it happens when farmers are plowing their fields and they and they hit, uh, I presume it's glacial, glacial till. Yeah. So yeah. you hit these boulders and... Or maybe it's just lack of outcrop because it rains all the time there. Yeah, you yeah. Get those boulders and use those to make your wall to to uh, form your property boundaries. That's so. fascinating. We were talking with the other company I noticed that had, is prospecting very heavily in Ireland is Altius. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, and they have a large, but they're looking for copper. So it'll be interesting to watch Ireland because uh, Delradian has had some really significant success there. And it'll be interesting to see if, if other companies like uh, like what you're getting involved in or if Altius ends up farming some of their stuff out, if Ireland starts becoming this sort of hot jurisdiction, I'd love to go to more site visits there. So, hey, if you have a project there and you want to take the Northern Miner, call me. Don't call anyone else. <laughs> I, I want to go to the Guinness factory in Dublin. That's what I want to do. Uh, but anyways, so without further ado, we do need to fill the geology corner this week. Okay. Uh, and Mickey has graciously uh, volunteered. Uh, Leslie is out of town on a, one of her many site visits, so she'll be back in studio next week. Uh, but Mickey has been very, very uh, kind to us, so he's going to be our, our fill-in geologist for this week. So what do you got for us, Mickey? Well, we were talking yesterday, yeah. and I was talking, and we were talking about copper. And one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm trying to do a copper deal in... in Africa. Yep. Um, not really an Africa guy, but I got thrown a, uh, a project at me you know, by some guys and they said, can you find a home for this? And I looked at it and, you know, one out of 20 that I see uh, will even pique my interest, but this one did. And it's a copper oxide project. So you and yeah. I were talking yesterday. And I immediately thought of ISR or, or in situ. Right. Like, now, yeah. this uh, this. It will be a heap leach solvent extraction copper deposit. So we were talking, and and you kind of told me, well, I don't really know anything about oxide copper. Yeah. Didn't really know how important it was. Yeah. Well, about somewhere between 15 and 20 percent of the world's copper production on a yearly basis comes from heap leach solvent extraction electro winning i know that's a bunch of words yes yep, yep. Uh, we got to throw open pit in there yeah copper oxide deposits yeah that number and, would surprise me uh, when you send and, me the graph and some of the biggest yeah. porphyry deposits in the world but it's essentially oxidized copper very near the surface and mm -hmm. what happens in copper deposits they uh the sulfides are easily weathered and when they are weathered uh, you got rainfall and it mixes with the pyrite content in any of these big porphyry copper deposits okay and either you do one of two things you if you got enough pyrite and acid generating capacity sulfuric acid naturally occurring from uh from rainwater and pyrite supplies, then if you got enough acid, you form what's called a calcite blanket. Okay. And these are the high, what's called the high grade 
calcasite blankets, which make a lot of porphyry coppers in the world work okay. because they can be very high grade. And you essentially take all that copper for maybe 100 meters from the surface, surface yeah. or even 200 meters, and you leach it down to the, to the water table, at which time the pH and EH okay. changes okay. Yeah. and yeah. you precipitate out all this copper. Yeah. If you don't have enough acid generating capability, which is m meaning your your copper to iron ratio is high, okay. you leave this copper on the surface or near the surface as what we commonly know as copper minerals, the green and the blues and the really yeah. pretty the stuff. The stuff geologists love to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so in about 45, 50 years ago, let's say, the U.S. Bureau of Mines found a new way to deal with that stuff. Okay. So they put, it's much like oxide gold deposits where you heap leach and, and, you, re, and you recover with uh, zinc plants or uh, carbon in pulp plants. The okay. same sort CIPs, of thing. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, so it's... 15 to 20 percent of the carbon market in the world and it's very cheap to do it doesn't require smelting the end product so you leach the copper with dilute in uh, hydro or uh, sulfuric acid yep and you run it through a circuit it's all closed loop you you uh, precipitate the copper out on resin the solvent extraction and then you electro win it where you plate it onto steel cathodes yep. and you just keep And we've plating. seen those sheets. Yeah, Everyone's anybody's seen those. seen those yeah. sheets yeah. of copper They're rolling down actually. the highway. <laughs> yeah. And the beauty of it is yeah. it's so cheap to do and the beauty of it is it comes out 99.99% pure copper and it goes doesn't go to the smelter, doesn't go to refinery, yeah. goes straight to the rod mill or the wire mill as a finished copper product. And you told me the interesting story about how Antanafagasta was essentially founded on these types of of, of oxide deposits. So yeah, it was a family yeah. business where they had Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so these things generally occur in uh, semi-arid climates or in climates in which there is a dry season and a wet season. So they don't really occur. Because you would have in, to, the liquid would have to yeah, evaporate. Yeah, so you basically got, you've got to have uh, this process of chemical reaction happening faster than erosion and uh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. For it to actually be preserved. So they don't it. occur in BC to any extent. No. <laughs> they don't yeah. occur in Alaska, but mm -hmm. they do occur in New Mexico and Arizona and Utah and Mexico. Africa, as you mentioned. And, yeah. and Chile and yeah. Peru and the Atacama and certain parts of Africa where there's seasonal wet, dry climates and uh, and, you, and you can you can you can make a lot of money because they're generally they can be small they can be low capex yeah and because you're not in, building in, a in big the copper oxide business we like to use i use an expression it's a it's a cow mooing to be milked <laughs> and they can generate yeah. tremendous amounts of cash flow for very small capex now so, are they are they are like 
it sounds like they've been they've been uh, leveraged historically by producers to make quite a bit of money. Some of the some of the larger companies have. You mentioned Morenci, which yeah, Morenci uh, is one of the largest, the, certainly top five copper producers in the world. Which and Freeport sold to everyone remembers uh, earlier this year. Yeah, it's yeah. all heap leach SXCW, as is Santa Rita now in yeah. New Mexico, and uh, a significant portion of Chuki Kamada, the world's oh, wow. largest copper deposit yeah. is and producer is produces from copper oxide deposits with this technique now it, the real breakthrough was in the mid 60s with the US Bureau of Mines and that was the SXEW yeah. so because people have always recovered copper oxide but the old tin can method scrap yeah. iron yeah. in mines from mine waters and you throw a bunch of tin cans and with essentially iron mm -hmm. into a lake at the bottom of the mine or, <laughs> or wherever that lake is you take those tin cans and you process those and you end up with something called cement copper which generally runs about 75 percent pure copper and it's got to go to the smelter oh uh, and is that still fairly prevalent as well uh, it is in third world somewhat third okay. world countries certainly prevalent Prevalent in the the copper belt of uh, southern Africa. Africa, okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. And, and and so one question I ask is: is you hear about? Um, well, I guess it's almost like a cap, right? Like you, you're talking about an oxidized cap, but you also hear these copper deposits where people are trying to leverage gold-rich caps. Yeah, um, so so that's a similar thing. Yeah. So the copper is very mobile in the mm -hmm. secondary environment, and it gets leached down, and what's left up on top it's almost is pure gold. The, yeah. Is the gold gossan? So yeah, you, yeah, yeah. So and you you leach all this stuff out, so the grade becomes higher because gold stays there, and all the other stuff leaches out. So you're increasing the grade by uh, subtraction yeah, of yeah. of other minerals mainly iron and copper and so then that will form the the super gene calcocyte blanket before and a good example of that would be in Eritrea right now yeah. with uh Navsun yep. and uh Sun uh, oh, Sunridge. Sunridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. they so they start out with these gold-rich Gaussians with the eventual uh, mining of uh, massive sulfide uh, well, copper-rich ores. It's interesting because that um, uh, the Bisha thing in Eritrea that that Nevsun has the geological model on that has changed for <laughs> like on a regular like, like is it VMS or they, oh, they, is they, it no they, longer considered to be a VMS? They, they're not sure anymore. Yeah, well, it's, well, it's, it's kind of like yeah. what goes on in the DR. In yeah, the Dominic, yeah, is Pueblo Viejo? What is it? Yeah, what is it? Some yeah, people yeah. think it's a VMS. Yeah, uh, the Gold Quest guys who have explored along that belt and another company on that belt be Precipitate Gold. Yeah, in, in a, Dominican, a, yeah. In yeah. the DR. Yeah. And so they are still operating on the VMS model there. I heard orogenic now, maybe. They yeah, like, that seems to be a catch-all, though. Yeah. If you don't know what it is, you just say it's orogenic. Yeah. But I actually, I Jeff Wilson know. from Precipitate, I actually oh, interviewed yeah, him yeah. recently. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I know yeah. Jeff well. Yeah, yeah, so, so I was talking I, to him about that. I'm, well. a, I'm a happy shareholder with Precipitate Gold. Interesting so. belt, that one. The, oh, absolutely. The uh, or Tereo belt that they yeah, have down yeah. there. Yeah, and, you know, it's just an extension of Pueblo Viejo. And it goes all the way to Haiti. That's, yeah. struck, that's well, plate tectonic boundary, essentially. And it goes all the way through Haiti, and if you get out on the extreme far 
northwest end of Haiti, there's big porphyry copper deposits yeah. out yeah. there. Yeah, and the uh, one thing, copper, gold-rich copper. And in Jefferson, right. I think it's Newmont that has a lot of yep. holdings on the Haitian side. They're yep. doing much with them, obviously, because Haiti is a sociopolitical well, minefield. Political yeah. minefield right yeah. now. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yep. the Newmont holds a lot of those concessions yep. on the yeah. other side. Yep. So that's yep. interesting, really interesting one. But I did, I just wrote an article on precipitate. So if you want to check out some more in-depth stuff, they're actually cool. drilling right now. Yep. Um, so check that out. It's on our website. Um, and also, as always, I want to mention uh, the Northern Miner Podcast is brought to you by the Yukon Mining Alliance. We would like to thank our sponsors once again. Um, and the one thing I will mention during our, our brief Yukon uh, uh, discussion this, today is uh, I wrote an editorial. There's been a uh, new election in the Yukon. Uh, they now have a liberal government. The Yukon party is out. Um, and interestingly, one of the things we observed, and, and Mickey and I were talking about this the other day, is that, is that the Yukon liberals use this change narrative again, which Donald Trump used successfully, Trudeau used successfully up here, and they're promising more conciliation with First Nations, and the same sort of message that the federal liberals are, are sort of, um, have done in Canada. And it'll be very interesting to see Trudeau, there's there's massive protest pl- plan in Vancouver tomorrow over the Kinder Morgan approval. Yes, yes. Um, and he's he's sort of... 157 he, conditions yeah, for, for yeah. it to be built up. So it'll be interesting... Uh, to see how he sort of reconciles his uh, everybody love me message with uh, the fact a lot of people are pretty ticked off at him right now. Interesting to see. But uh, yeah, pay attention because uh, Sandy Silver and the Yukon Liberals will be interesting to see in the Yukon, uh, which is is always been a, a place where well, we've heard some per- stories up there where permitting can get a little complicated. I mean, you could talk to anyone from Victoria Gold and stuff like that. It took them about five years to get water. So it'll be interesting to see if the Liberals can actually live up to the promise where they're going to uh, maybe hopefully simplify permitting and find a, I don't want to use it to a better way forward. I hate that term, but but f- find a way to do it more more beneficial. Make the Yukon great again. Exactly. <laughs> we can get some more hats. Well, it'll be, you know what the interesting thing is that I read about is they're going to have an interesting balance because Trump's going to be in Alaska now, yeah. and it'll be interesting to see what happens with things like Northern Dynasty and Pebble, and oh, will it? And, and what's yeah, and what happens on that side? And the Yukon's right there, um, and it'll be interesting to see what sort of what sort of uh, impact mm-hmm. a Trump presidency might have on Northern Canada. You don't think about it that often. You think about the Southern border, but yeah. there's. There's a northern border as well. And the, and the oil business. And the oil business, uh, yeah. The Keystone Pipeline, I think, will be good yeah. for both countries. Yeah, I think it'll be good to go. So, um, But, yeah, so this has been the Northern Miner Podcast, and we uh, <laughs> thank you again for listening. And we would, again, like to thank Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist, for joining us. Mickey, why don't you uh, give them your details if they want to uh, check out your newsletter or get in touch with yep. you. Yep, uh, mercenarygeologist.com. I post a free newsletter. Uh, to get my stock picks, you need to be a free email subscriber. There you go. So at least the price is right. Uh, this podcast is all my interviews will be at uh, uh, on our twenty four seven streaming audio internet station mercenarygeologist.fm, and we will tweet the link to this to fifty six thousand Twitter followers at Mercenary Geo. So please follow him at Mercenary Geo. I'm at Matthew Keeble on Twitter. This has been the Northern Miner Podcast. I'm Matthew Keeble with Mickey Folk, and I'll talk to you next week.